depth of just like pouring my heart into this and just like working on like, oh, they're just right words. I don't even know what I was planning to do with it. And I shared it with one critique group and I was like, I don't know what this is. I was like, I just, I've been writing this. I've, it's been making me feel better. I don't know if it is anything. And I got a message from a private message from one of the critique partners. And she said, um, you need to share this with everyone. And that gave me a mission. And I was like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. I am going to, I'm going to take my sister-in-law's legacy and I'm going to share it with everyone. And, and that was it. This is You May Contribute a Verse. I'm Brenna Jennerette, pantser in writing and in life, rock climber and co-host of this podcast. I'm joined by my co-host, kidlit author, dad and science communicator, Josh Munkin, and our assistant editor, John Seymour, an author illustrator, family man, and senior informatics analyst. And that was today's guest, Monica Aker, talking about her debut picture book, Brave Like Mom, illustrated by Paran Kim, and published by Beaming Books. We chat about how she got her agent, Caitlin Sanchez, without a query letter, the power of networking, and how Monica was able to distill the essence of such a huge topic into such a meaningful and kid-friendly book. Have a book that you think might do well in the international market and wonder what that process might be like? Then check out Justin Colon's Kidlit Hive. On May 4th, he's offering Foreign Rights 101 with rights director and literary agent at Stimola, Allison Helligers. Allison will explain how books get translated into other languages, who's in charge of that, and what goes on behind the scenes in the rights department of publishers and agencies. Allison has 20 years of experience working in children's publishing, everything from editorial to scouting to foreign rights. For the last 10 years, she's been a foreign rights director with the Rights People, where she's helped authors build international careers. I've been thinking about my career in a much bigger way lately, and I don't know about you, but the idea of having my book in international markets gives me goosebumps. I'll be there, will you? Sign up at kidlithive.com where Justin offers affordable and inclusive classes, everything from individual panels and webinars to multi-week classes, each one chock full of agents, editors, authors, and illustrators from across the Kidlit world. Justin's classes are the bee's knees. Check them out at kidlithive.com. And now here's Monica's verse. Well, how are you this morning, Monica? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, I was saying, you know, the kids the kids are home. I wasn't thinking about um, – usually they go to school on Friday, and that's the one day a week where I don't work. So usually, like, Fridays are my days to do all my things. And then I was like, oh, yeah, home. <laughs> Were they off? Just a regular day off? I did, this is not – doesn't it's coincide with the day. day. Oh, we don't get that off. That's right. All right. Well, for our, for our listening audience, we're recording on Veterans Day. Yeah. <laughs> And also, anybody who is in and around any national park, they're usually free on Veterans Day, including the Grand Canyon. And I know this because we went to the Grand Canyon one year, and it happened to be Veterans Day. And they were like, oh, it's free. Come on in. And we were like, thank you very much. Yeah. So it was awesome. (laughs) Another whim of a a road trip that we went on. We often like just fall into rad places because I don't like to do any planning. I'm really bad at planning. Just like how I write, I am not a plotter, not at all. And so I just, yeah, so I just like kind of start off. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. Let's go west. And so we just start driving. And I'm like, oh, actually, we're going right through, you know, X, Y, and Z. Let's see if it works. And usually That's amazing. Yeah. So it worked with the Grand Canyon. And we got You're it for free. a pantser with your life. 
Yes, I am. Yes, I am. <laughs> I'm only really a writing pantser. I think everything yeah. else I, I plot. I over, can you over plot a life? Because I always try to fit uh, too many things in. Yeah. <laughs> we were just talking about that. Yeah. Yeah, we were just saying that. Yeah, I'm a thousand percent a panster with with my life. Yes, yes, I am. I jump into things like with no no qualms about what might happen on the other end. I'm like that sounds fun. Let's do it. That's how. <laughs> that's that's how you make a podcast. That spontaneity. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, okay. So first of all, Monica, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, and thank you, thank you for sending this early. I was so excited. I love getting book mail. That's like so fun. And the fact that you were like, I can get you one like before we come on the show. I was like, yes, that's so cool. I feel like a real, like a real podcaster when I'm getting like real stuff for the show. You are a real <laughs> podcaster. I also, I'm very, I feel very lucky that the um, publicity and marketing team at Beaming has been amazing. And so I was like, yeah, so I'm going to be on this podcast. They're like, well, do they want a coffee? And I was like, I'll ask them. Yeah. That's so cool. Right. Yeah, right. I yeah, I love that that the publisher is on board and just like, yeah, let's let's get the word out and have these people actually read the book before you come on. I mean, children's books are the you know, the more majority of who we talk to and so it's easy to get our hands on them generally and you know, read them beforehand. Middle grade and YA obviously that's a lot harder. Like I have to I have to really cram them in if I'm trying to read them before we yeah. have a guest on. But um but the fact that you got us one like early, early, because I don't think I would have had access otherwise was was just it was very cool. I was excited. Um, and I mean, what a sweet story and what an important book. Thank you. I I imagine this means a lot to you and your family. It does. It does. It um it definitely is very it's a very personal um story behind the story. Um, but the idea that the book is is now out there and can help other people that might be in a situation where they have a parent that's really ill is it's just a it's a great feeling and everyone's proud of me which is also a good feeling everyone's proud yeah <laughs> there's a personal aspect too yeah did you anticipate that that brave look mom was going to be your debut um I, I guess that was the book that secured my agent so in that, like at that point I did, because she was like, this is, this is the one. Um, but I was sending out different stories to different agents, like trying to fit the agent. So I, mm. I wasn't really sure where I was going to go with it. But yeah, once, um, once I signed with Caitlin, she was like, this is the one we're sending. Is, totally oh, makes sense. Yeah, totally makes sense. I mean, mm-hmm. from talking to Caitlin, this is one of those sweet, sweet family-oriented stories that seems like it would be right up her alley. And lo and behold, it was. <laughs> <laughs> is this the the kind of book that you generally write across the board, Monica? Or are you more like, do you have like more of a funny streak or do you write more like poetry? And this just happened to be like, you know, really close to your heart. And so that was the debut. Um, yeah, I write mostly funnier things with that heart piece in them this was definitely like heart like just all heart um and not (laughs) (laughs) i I attempted that and um that's not my sweet spot Mm. um but there's sort of a i would say there's a variety from like all heart to all humor and somewhere in the middle i mean that's the place to be 
because write, writing all humor with no heart is, I feel like, pretty easy. But to write something funny that also has that that just a little bit of heart, right? Like just enough to connect with the reader and still be funny, I feel like is really tricky because Josh and I both write funny sort of like quirky stuff. And I often personally, I struggle with the heart piece because I, funny is easy. Funny, I feel like is, you know, it's just fun and like whatever and sort of carefree, but the heart you have to really be really like, like diligent and like, perfect with the words and like how you how you tweak it to bring the reader in and then to come into the heart and then out again you know and end on that funny note if that's what you're going for it's just really tricky so I'm, heart, I'm heart hoping problems. I'm doing it <laughs> <laughs> well played <laughs> well that's I mean I'm I'm curious more about Brave Like Mom and how how that came to be when did you write it so I wrote it in 2018 um, but I didn't intend it to be a book at that point in time. Like I, I just started writing with the idea of writing for children for publication, um, maybe like a couple months prior. And my sister-in-law had, had this diagnosis of stage four cancer and, but she's such a fighter, like such a fighter. Um, I'd get like all these, um, photos from her getting chemo treatment with like, you know, her arm and her muscle, um, she was in Colorado. I'm in Massachusetts. So it wasn't like I could be there, you know, personally all the time. But then we, I got a phone call that like my kid was at cheerleading practice and which was like one year and it didn't last. Um, but I got this phone call that she couldn't go for her chemo treatment. And um, it just like hit me hard. And I was like, man, like, you know, her body's getting weaker. And, and then I corrected myself really quickly. And I was like, no, this, this mom is strong. And I took out my phone and I was in the stands and like the cheerleaders are cheering and I'm just like pouring out my heart into my notes app. And I, I just wrote like a quick thing. And then I sent it to my mom. My mom was out there. I didn't send it to my sister-in-law because I was like, she might be resting. Um, and I was like, if you have a moment, you know, share this or don't share it. I just wrote it. And then that was it. And then I just like tucked it away and like went back to writing like my silly story about a giraffe. <laughs> Can I, I, I would just like, I would like to, to pull apart that moment at cheerleading practice where mm -hmm. your, your kid must've looked up from the stands and been like, why is mommy looking at her phone crying during cheerleading practice? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't, I never, I never asked her if she even noticed. She probably didn't even notice me. Um, probably not. It was probably the other parents, like in the stands, like, what does that woman do? <laughs> but, you know, like, I'm, I'm also the person at, like, you know, gymnastics practice that's like, I've got my notebook out and I'm just like writing away and I just don't worry about what This can also be mommy's time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't until, um, the end of 2019, beginning of 2020, when um, she was like, it was the end was near, like it was obvious that she wasn't going to make it, and that's when I just, I just started working on it more. It just made me feel better. Um, and after like two months of just like pouring my heart into this, and just, like working on like oh the just right words, I don't even know what I was planning to do with it. And I shared it with one critique group, and I was like, I don't know what this is. I was like, I just, I've been writing this. I, it's been making me feel better. I don't know if it is anything. And I got a message from a private message from one of the critique partners. And she said, um, you need to share this with everyone. 
And that gave me a mission. And I was like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. I am going to, I'm going to take my sister-in-law's legacy and I'm going to share it with everyone. And, and that was it. Oh, wow. So did you, so you queried Caitlin with it then? Did you query anybody else or like how long, what was that process like? So I didn't actually query Caitlin with it. It was a little, um, (laughs) it was a little, (laughs) I, um, so I, I had been querying other stories and I did send this out to a couple other um, agents and I was getting some really, I always get like these really beautiful rejections on this story. Like even when I went on up to editors, it was like, this is, you know, and it was like all these compliments, but it was like, ultimately it's a, it's a pass. Um, but with Caitlin, show. yeah. But with Caitlin, she had her blog when she was like a little baby agent um, where she, she wasn't taking on clients at the time. But she um, had different contests that she was running, and I won a contest, and I got a um, critique from another author, and I just cc'd Caitlin on the email when I sent out the story. Sneaky. <laughs> well, nice. I, I just I knew her through Twitter, and we even like at one point we were in like an MG. We we both were going to attempt to write middle grade at the same point in our writing lives, so we were in a group together on that. So like, I felt like I knew her enough that like, if she had some comments, it didn't hurt to like have her on there. And worst yeah. case, we'd just be like, you know, I'm glad you two connected the end. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but instead she was like, uh, she asked for more information. She was like, what, you know, where, what is this story? Where did it come from? Like, and I told her my story um, and we kept in touch about it. She'd reach out every now and then um, and say, Hey, how's it going with that mom story? And when she started taking on clients, she reached out and she was like, so I'm taking on clients. What else do you have? So I didn't like, I never wrote a query letter. I just sent her a bunch of stories. That's such an interesting way to back into it. Just by seeing someone, just uh, giving them the visibility to it. That's great. Yeah. I mean, I just, I I do tell people like the power of um, networking and social media. I mean, you guys, if I didn't clean my bathroom and then tweet about it, I wouldn't be here, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Tot- I mean, totally true because we were – so we were talking about – I mean, that's not entirely true because your book is awesome and we would have loved well, to have had you. you on regardless. But, regardless of the state of your bathroom. <laughs> yes, Right. <laughs> But we were just talking before before we got on with you, um, just like, you know, more about the podcast and how to, you know, have, you know, widen our audience and that kind of thing and like marketing stuff. Um, and part of what Josh and I do really well is we're on Twitter and we like to talk to people and connect and, you know, sort of like make those connections. And a lot of that has led to like really cool podcast guests, not not in a way that's like, we're not trying to be like manipulative about it or anything, but if people are on the show and then they talk about other people who are in the industry and we tag them, then that usually starts a conversation. And then that's another like piece of the network of the community that has been sort of, you know, brought into the, the same plane. So it's been really cool the way it sort of works, like, you know, sort of like dominoes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're genuine connections. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I was, yeah, I was going to say they're genuine connections that I, you know, I feel like they are on my end, at least that I'm making with people. And I'm always excited to like uplift others. And then it usually, it, it's just such a, I mean, hopefully it stays, but it's Twitter has been, the kid lit world has been such a positive place of, of really just making those connections and, and it could lead to more things. 
I wonder if this is going to be a time capsule. Like whenever, whenever this episode <laughs> airs, what state Twitter is going to be in a couple months from now? Oh man, I know well, it. We were we were talking about that too. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like I, I hundred percent agree with you, Monica. Like the Twitter community, because I have curated my Twitter account to be only writing related, only kidlit writing related. Like, I don't know anybody in real life on there. I mean, except for people who have come on the podcast and like Josh, you know, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like, these are not people that I know, like outside of my writing life. And it has been just, it's always just like good, positive energy, like people lifting each other up, like talking about tips or, you know, an exciting announcement. So I want to go back to the book because I, I know you you sent it to you sent it to your mom, but I, I want to pull apart pull apart the relationship that your sister in law had with the manuscript, understanding her her health when it was written and the super long lead time that Children's Book Publishing uh, had. I mean, she must have known, or you guys must have had had conversations around what that would look like and how it would come into the world. We d- I I didn't think this was ever going to be a book until after she passed away. So it's my my brother and I talked about it, um, and he's been hugely supportive. But it was always just um, for her until um, after she passed away, and and when that critique partner said you have to send this to people, that's when I was like, okay, maybe this could be a book. Maybe this has broader implications than just my family. That's um, that's sweet. As 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 comically antagonizing as my brother and I are, um, imagining that <laughs> the sweetness of that relationship between you and your brother, um, just just to honor your sister in law, that's great. Yeah, I, I, my brother, he's got you know the two two little girls, and he's amazing, you know. But uh, and his support has meant the world. Just knowing that he was behind getting this out there, and um, yeah, it's been good. Yeah, I we. This is not a mindset that I dwell in when I write this um, emotional, full heart sort of thing. I'm a super goofy writer. Um, And we see, we keep getting, I know you write humor too, but we keep getting guests on where we talk about their, their sweet books. And I, it's just not, it's not my natural state. So I'm, I'm curious how you, how you approach the angle of the book, not to put it in like crass terms, or story st- story writing terms, but um, there there are angles that you can take at this book where it is um, it's it's grief based or it's post um, you know p- post event based. You're you're taking a mid um, like a mid journey coping angle at the story of this family, and I I wonder how intentional that is and if if that's the way that it started. Yeah. I mean, I think it started that way because we, when I wrote it, it was, we were in the journey. Like she, mm-hmm. we didn't know where things were, were going to go. Um, and then as, as I worked on it, I, I was able to think about when I was a kid, my mom had been in the hospital for a little bit. She had this crazy autoimmune that attacked her heart. It took a while for people to figure it out. Um, so like there are pieces of that that I, so, and I came out the other end, right? Like my mom's still here. So I, it was very intentional that this story was there for families in the moment and did not, did not have to deal with the end because I didn't want to say mom's going to make it. And I didn't want to say mom's not going to make it. I wanted to say whatever happens, you can handle it. Like you have the inner strength 
and and you've gotten that from mom or you know whoever whatever loved one it is that is yeah. going through this yeah what um and i <laughs> brendan and i do this thing where we i like don't, we don't make eye contact but like <laughs> we look at each other's picture and I try to like pause and give space for the question. I just have more I have more questions though around Go ahead. around the illustration process and mm -hmm. beaming. How quickly did you know that beaming was gonna be the publisher for this? Because beaming strikes me as you know, a, a hardier publisher, hardy in they, the emotional sense. They are. They are. Um they they were like the perfect publisher. And then there was this weird um, full circle thing personally, because my sister-in-law is from Minnesota and they're in Minnesota. Like it just felt like this kismet thing happening. Oh, that's a nice, I mean, that's a nice tie-in. It doesn't, it's ultimately kind of immaterial, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so more, more about the beaming journey, how much about the personal aspect of it had you shared with them? Or was that, was that part of the conversation was it material the author's note um was always part of the package that was sent out so it did explain my connection to the manuscript interesting yeah that strikes me as something that would come together in in the post but being intentional about that i guess is important particularly for this story yeah 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 <clears throat> beaming has been um i'm i'm aware of them like they're on my radar because um, CK Malone's first and second book have been published through them and mm. we share an agent, Dan Kramer, but they, yeah, beaming just seems like, yeah, they are very much looking for those, those well done, emotionally important books because, uh, CK's first book, you know, is so important about finding identity, your book about grief. I mean, to circle back about what you said, it, I feel like it's so it's so well done in the fact that it doesn't it doesn't focus on the aftermath of it. It was really smart, like a really a really like good intentional choice to focus on what's happening in the now and that like you said, whatever happens afterwards you can handle, which I mean, what an important message for a kid who's going through that because that I mean that book is so touching, it's so sweet and then to have the layered message on top of that that's like you, you know, you're strong, your mom is strong. And because of that, you can get through it on the other end like that. It just, yeah, it, it makes sense to me that beaming picked it up like immediately. That seems like right up their alley. Yeah, it, it was, it's a perfect fit. And they're, they are so great about, um, about knowing how to get the book to the people that it needs to get to, you know, like the marketing and publicity team have been really wonderful. And I, this is, this is my first book. Um, so I don't know what it's like in other, with other publishers, but I have um, heard that, that they are really great at informing the author about what's going on, what the plan is. You know, I feel very connected to the process. It's time for this week's book reviews. My son and I have been loving the Flubby books by J.E. Morris. The sparse text combined with the, and I don't say this lightly, laugh out loud illustrations. We have read at least one every night this week. I have to say though, Flubby Will Not Go to Sleep is my favorite. Flubby's sweet owner tries everything to get Flubby to sleep, and in true cat fashion, the first spread of him just sitting there in his new bed in the dark, I mean, it gets me every time. Flubby is clearly not even trying to go to sleep, and it's ridiculous and hilarious, and we love it. 
John's review is Dandelion Magic by Darren Farrell, illustrated by Maya Tatsukawa, which is a story about a boy who goes on a wild adventure after looking for one magical dandelion that can grant him wishes. Putting aside the story's playful plot, amazing artwork, and ingenious interactivity, this story makes it hard not to wonder if maybe there really is a little bit of magic out there somewhere in the world. It's been hot in St. Louis for the past week, so Josh's review is for a book in which the protagonist just wants to cool off in a pool. Odd Bird by Derek Desierto celebrates living comfortably and authentically in your own feathers by effectively contrasting our protagonist's bird's gray but beautifully patterned plumage with a flamboyant and fabulous fashion-forward flock of very judgy birds who don't want to get all messy in the water. Desierto's debut is a fantastic example of a basically static protagonist who changes the world around them. Oddbird knows who they are and just wants to find a way to get what they want. And change here is only a means to an end. Super colorful book, super good message to send, without of course being in the very least didactic. Check out the show notes for links to the authors, illustrators, and where to buy the books. And make sure you get your own reviews or library requests in. They're the number one thing that can help an author's sales. And now, back to our verse. In terms of being connected to the process, I was going to ask about this later, but your your partnership with Paran Kim, if I'm saying her name right, I, um, there is so much real. So I have a, a parent that passed from cancer. There's so much that's real about this book in terms of how the sickness is framed, like down down to the minute detail of a packet of pills that's like partway open and you can see the blister pack and all that and the meal train stuff. I mean, how, how much of that was independent of you or how much interaction did you have with Paran on that? Zero. You're kidding. Wow. That surprises me because of how real that is. Yeah. Um, we had Jess, she had the manuscript and then she worked with our editor, right? Or the editor, right? I don't own the editor. <laughs> um, so she worked with Andrea and then I worked with Andrea and Andrea was always the middle person. Um, so there was no direct contact. What did the art notes look like in terms of like getting that message across to her? Were there any about like, oh, like have a pill peck and like the meal train no. and like all the stuff? No. Wow. No. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there were any. There might have been like one or two art notes, but like minute things about, I'm trying to think what might have even been in there. I don't know. I don't know if I had any in there. I can see how the, like the text definitely stands up on its own. It doesn't, it's not like, it's not like one of those funny books, you know, where a lot of times the art note has to carry the joke or the art note has to carry like, you know, the double meaning. So, I mean, the text stands by itself for sure. Yeah. It's just interesting because like Josh said, right, there, if there was no contact, but the details are like so, <laughs> sorry, there's a child. I was so good. <laughs> yeah, no problem. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if they would like to make an appearance, they may. If that would help satisfy them, right. it would be the first kid on right. the couch. <laughs> I'm sorry. So art notes. <laughs> yeah. What were you going to say, Josh? Did you have something about art notes? Um, I mean, I was just, I was flipping through this. Um, there, 
there are certain things that are left up to uh, to illustrator's interpretation. I just I, I really got the impression from how specific this is that that there was a, a deeper relationship. So I was just expressing surprise at the realities of how this works and using your editor as the sort of intermediate intermediary makes sense. There are certain references you can look up about what you know what what this sort of thing might look like. But um, yeah, it's a uh, it's just. There's always some surprise about the process that you you think you know how it how it worked um, to come come to life and it didn't. And also, I mean, major nod to the illustrator. I mean, you know, we're seeing this all the time about books that come out, right? Like the illustrator does stuff with the text that you're just like, wow, I never thought about that. Like that was totally like if you listen to Julie Headland talk about overbear underwear. I mean, the stuff that Michael Slack did with the illustrations, she just was like. I, of course, of course you should have done that. You know, of course you should have made it, Mm -hmm. you know, this way and that way instead of the other way around or whatever, you know, she just, you're so in it that you don't really see what else could be added. And then somebody else comes in and you're just like, wow, like, thank you. You know, you made this so much better. Yeah. Yeah. I'm one of my favorite things that Perrin added was the, the little stuffed lion. Oh, Um, that is so cute. And for me, it's just such a great symbol of the bravery that she has with her all along, right? Like it's, it's not on every page, but it's definitely there from the beginning through the end. And it just shows like that the main character who I never gave a name to, um, that she has this bravery all along. It was always there. Yeah. Just bravery personified. yeah, Yeah. It's like that, like that's so smart. Just that tiny detail, like brings that much more to the manuscript as a whole. Yeah. And I just, I just love it. It's become, I've made up my little mascot. I made like stickers with the lion on it and little, little pins. So cute. So cute. Is it going to come to life as a plush? Um, I actually I'm just sure found one be. that looked just like it. Yeah, and we, we, uh, we raffled it off at, um, at my like little launch party. We did a lion plush raffle. I think I saw that. I feel like I saw that. I have, I have like a picture in my brain. That's so cute. What a, what a smart idea. I mean, and that right there, right? Like that's now part of like your marketing and like getting things out there and like getting the word out. And like, here's this cute little lion. And without the illustrator, none of that would have been a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of marketing, I mean, there, we talk, we talk a lot here about character and characterization and it's just as we're as we're having this conversation the fact that you you recognize i never gave the main character a name um that do you see do you see the characters in the book as like as vessels for people to pour their their selves into or how did you think about characterization of the kids and the and the parents the parents you you get a sense of that based on their actions which um you know, make it clear kind of what they're into and what kind of parent they are, but it's still left pretty, pretty vague. Yeah. And I did, I wanted it to be vague because I wanted it to be something that anyone that you could access from different, you know, like whoever picks up the book, there's a way in for them. Um, yeah. So that was intentional. I, and I, yeah, I felt like if I, you know, the little girl's telling the story and I feel like that lets the reader feel like they can kind of own it as well coming from, you know, her POV versus like a story about if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. From the third person. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Cause you, you, you imagine it being read as I either from uh, an older child who's going through this or, you know, to an older child who can imagine themselves in that situation. Yeah. Right. 
Did you try out multiple POVs with this manuscript or did it go through many revisions at all? I get the sense that it was sort of like, it just like sort of came out and that that was it, like maybe a couple of tweaks here and there, but it basically came out as is. Is that right or no? Um, the the basic structure was always there. It always was like the, the my mom, you know, kind of refrains and then um, the like identifying what it really means to be brave and strong. Fierce was added later because someone was like, hey, rule of threes, you need a third. So I was like, okay. <laughs> I got you. Yeah, I, I can do that. Um, there, So there weren't, I mean, that was probably the biggest change. Most of the rest of the changes were finding the right words, but I was like, Caitlin shared, she asked if she could um, during the SCBWI Safari workshop she did. I think that was what it was called. If she could share like an early version and a later version. And I oh looked God, at the awesome. word. I looked at the words in the early version. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that's what it. <laughs> so it, it definitely needed. Um, the language had to be more kidified quite a bit. Like it's, it, yeah, it, it definitely improved over time. And I save every, anytime I touch a document, I save it. So there's, even when they're not like revisions, it's still another version. So I think there's like 25 versions of it. Okay. Um, yeah. Speaking to Brenna's heart there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. I do lots and lots of versions just like you. Yeah. Cause I'm always like, well, what if I liked that word choice and then exactly. I, and I can't remember it. Yeah. No, I have to have it. <laughs> Yes. I just, I date and save, date and save. Yes. Yes. And also I was going to say, I love when there are webinars like that, where you show the first draft and then the final, because I feel like it just, it like gives me so much hope and it's so inspiring. It's like, okay, like, you know, Monica started this way and it's okay. Like she has a debut, like she published that book, like you can do it, you know, like even if you start from one that just needs, you know. 25 different revisions. Like you can, you can do it. Like it's okay. It gives me hope that I did it once before. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm sure. Cause I mean, publishing any book at any point in your career is a small miracle. So doing it once is awesome, but I'm sure doing it again and again and again, right. It's equally as insane every time. Like the stars have to align every single time. Yes, absolutely. So I'm curious, I mean, if you look, if you look back at the early version and you kind of, you, you cringe at the language that you're using, what are, what are the sorts of changes that you're making from the final or from, from the first to the final? Are you using more specific, like medical language to describe things, you know, things like treatments or whatever, or how, how um, just like the, the line that sticks out to me is the one about the spider. Um, because I know we worked on that. That was one line that we just had to get. Cause it was like, we don't want to kill the spider, you know, like we want to, mm -hmm. we want to, but we, but we do want to, yeah, like we, and so that one, I mean, I think it was like my, the original way I wrote it was like, you know, my mom gets rid of the spider. Like it would just, it was just, there's nothing nice that like, like right. read about that. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's very ominous. The spider was taken off, care of. Off the spider. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. The cleaner cleaned the spider. <laughs> yeah, but it, yeah, it was just like my mom gets rid of the spider I'm scared of versus like, you know, m my mom rescues me from the spider that sneaky creeps into my room. Like just the chain, like it means exactly the same thing, but just the language is so much better to read aloud, to, to picture. So, yeah. That's a good, that's a good 
line to pull apart in that way because of the way that it's framed as the like the unconventional but very kid way of describing sneaky creeps into my room that's the sort of line that wouldn't it would be harder to come out naturally uh you'd have to be more intentional about that yeah i I had to like dig a little bit for that and then i like 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 the assonance in there and you know but all those things that come you know you have to get the ideas first and then and then like the right birds come later yeah yeah at least for me that's what i struggle with (laughs) (laughs) yeah right i mean it's again it's nice to hear that you know nobody comes out with a perfect first draft it it just doesn't happen you have to get the idea out and then you have to go back and be like okay now that I've got it out of my brain, I can like really focus on, you know, these two words. Like I really need yeah. these two words to be like just right. So yeah, it takes, it takes a while. Um, I was going to ask Monica, so we had Justin uh, Cologne on recently and we talked to him about the fact that he, so he had a book offer and then he turned it down because it was a nonfiction book. And he talked with his agent, who's Jennifer March Soloway about, you know, how they wanted to debut, how he wanted to come out as an author. And ultimately part of his strategy and, you know, sort of his brand, I guess, was turning that offer down because he didn't want to be sort of branded as, you know, a nonfiction author. Like he's, he writes sort of like Josh and I do sort of like funny and quirky and, you know, silly most of the time. He just happened to have this really great biography that, you know, somebody wanted to buy. So ultimately they turned it down and now he's debuting with the Quacken, which hilarious. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that's going to be awesome. And, um, a, a double book of, um, possums, like the pot I forget. Impossible no, possum. I forget. Thank you. Impossible possum. Gosh, sorry, Justin, if you're listening. Um, anyway, so both of which are hilarious, right. And just like silly fun. Um, so I'm just curious, did that ever, did that ever occur to you? Cause when he said it to me, I was like, you, you turned it down? Like what? Like if anyone wants to buy any of my books at any point in time, please have them. Like, <laughs> let's, let's do this. Let's go forward. Editors listening, please buy my books. I did. I just want to publish book. Um, anyways, I, you know, that never, that never occurred to me, you know, if I was going to accidentally or not accidentally, but if I would come out with my nonfiction versus a funny book, which is primarily what I write, you know, what would that do in terms of like my, you know, my career as a, as a, as an author? Like, did that ever come up with you and Caitlin? I mean, I, I didn't really think about my overall career. Um, maybe I should have been more intentional. But what I kept thinking is if I, you know, if this is the only book that gets published, this is this is the one that I want out there. So that's uh, that's what I kept coming back to. Like, I, yeah. I think the other things I write are, they're fun. And there's, there's, I mean, I really like them. I think they should be bestsellers. But, <laughs> right. but. <laughs> but this one just means so much. So I, I just always kind of came back to like, if, if this is it, I hope it's not it, but if it is it, like this, is this is the most meaningful book I could, could put out. So I feel good about that. Put all your totally. Out. Totally. And to be clear, like I, like I said, at the beginning of the episode, I'm a pantser in writing and in life. So if, yeah, like I would say yes immediately and just be like, yeah, that's like a no looking back. Right. Like I don't care. I don't care what it looks like in terms of my career. Justin is, I mean, talking with him was, it was so just like eye opening for me because he is so thoughtful, so Mm -hmm. well thought out. So like, um, specific, you know, with his word choice and how he is set up and, you know, 
just everything down to, you know, how, when we were recording with him and he, that is why, you know, he's so successful. That's why he like came out just like, you know, charging in the, in the PB world, because now he's got, you know, three debuts back to back to back like that, you know, that's just the difference, I guess, between, you know, the mindsets. I just, I was just curious because it had come up in a recent episode and I thought I would ask. So anyways. (laughs) No. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's very smart. Yeah. It's just, it's just a different approach, I think. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Do you have other stuff on sub? I do. I can talk about, but what, yeah, what, what sort I, of- I can say I do. <laughs> okay, good. All right. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. And it's probably more in the sort of like humor, humor hearty sort of- uh, Yeah. I mean, vein. there's a range. I've got- Yeah. I wish I could say more, but- <laughs> yeah. All right. But yeah. Leave I mean, I have- <laughs> There's another one that's not on sub yet, but that is more heart that- um. I'm hoping to get in tip top shape so that that could be a good follow up if, if that's what editors would like to see more of from me, but we'll see. Yeah. There's lots of, there's lots of publishing houses out there. I mean, you yeah. do heart really well, so I could see if you came out with another one, it getting snatched up. I mean, this, this book was just, it was, yeah, it was just so well done. Thank you. I imagine it being a brave like dad. Someone else asked me that. Representation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, another person asked it. They were like, "So is Brave Like Dad coming out?" And I was like, "Um, I feel like I feel like Beaming would have to ask me if, like, you know, we think we should do that." But I don't. I don't think I'm gonna. As as a dad and as a husband, I will lob the concept over uh, to you, which is uh, Dad has a slight tummy ache. And it becomes a big deal for the entire family to deal with dad's slight tummy. <laughs> Resilience uh, levels has, are different. Yeah, dad has a cold. <laughs> right. That is a really kind way to say that. Yes. I feel like, yeah, I feel like tolerances are, are so different, especially yeah. in a family, right? I mean, after having given birth, like my pain tolerance is like real high. So it's not, you know, like the differences are just very stark. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, but I'm I am sure that this there could be. I I did research based on women, so I, I don't I don't know the research for men in in that age range. Um, but I'm sure that there definitely could be a market for a brave like dad. I just I'm like, do do I want to go to that place and and write it again? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I do right now because it, it's, it's tough, really hard. I mean, it's a it's a tough place, and you have to yeah. sit with with the reality of that that personal book um for so long for sure um, yeah it would be it would be a hard decision to go back yeah. to that i mean it's definitely well, it's not, no doors not closed <laughs> yeah. but like right right now i'm gonna just enjoy brave like mom <laughs> yeah How, yeah um, so one thing i i will remark is that the the which is natural for this book the frown to smile ratio in this book is um, star- starkly much more in favor of uh, frowny kids than many other books, and I'm, that's my entryway into asking how do you how do you see this being read to families? Is this more like a, what I'm trying to pull apart is this this isn't one that's like necessarily on the read every night sort of like before bed sort of shelf. This is a, like a, I see it as a purpose driven book to deal with thing, tough things that come up for families. I mean, do you see it that, that same way? 
I've, I've actually, at first I was like, well, that this is where it is. Like this, it is a book for people in who, uh, sorry. Um, it's a, I shouldn't be laughing. That was like a serious moment. Um, no, yeah. No, it's fine. <laughs> Take two. Um, no, but yeah, like I originally was like, this is the book that's going to sit on like that, that special shelf in the bookstore, the library for, you know, specific needs. Um, but then as I've started thinking about getting out there and, um, meeting other, meeting potential readers, right? Get doing like a story time or something. At first I was like, how do I do a story time with this book? But really, I think the emphasis on the everyday brave that like I, you know, I, as, as the child, like I am brave when I play board or well, that's fierce. I'm fierce when I play board games. Um, but <laughs> focusing on like the everyday pieces, I think gives it a little bit more of a broader um, access so that you don't have to be someone who's going through this and you can still have the takeaway of how brave and fierce and strong you are in, in everyday ways. So is it like a curl up before bed story? Probably not. Um, but, but hey, if you want to. <laughs> you, yeah, I think you answered, in a you answered the, the clunky question in a much better way than I asked it, which is, um, how, how do you, how do you pull that pull that apart and make it an experience for families. And and I like the notion of when you do story times, give it, give it more context around encouraging kids to see themselves, themselves maybe outside a framework that they don't necessarily or aren't necessarily experiencing, which is chronic illness. Um, but instead, you know, let's think about the other ways that we can compare ourselves to the ways our parents are strong that, and, and, and broaden it that way. I, li- yeah. I like thinking about it that way. It it also, I mean, it could be argued that a kid who's going through this or a family who is going through this might want to read it every night. It might be really comforting. You know, like this might be one that they go to because they're like, I, you know, I see myself in this book like that, that, you know, this book gets me like I, I um, am represented here and I feel comfortable here because it's, you know, it's exactly what I'm going through. So I could see it being read every night if that's something that can, the kid or the family really connects to. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Monica, we are closing up or getting close to the hour and I know I can, I can feel the energy from your house. There are people, there are people who need you. So (laughs) is there anything else that you wanted to to say before we let you go or something that we haven't touched on? I should have prepared for that question. No. (laughs) (laughs) I don't mean to put you on the spot. I just like to ask just in case, you know, we get so in our heads about like what we want to know, what we want to ask. So in case there was anything that we missed or that you wanted, you know, to shout out about, you know, I just wanted to give you the opportunity. But if there's nothing, that's fine too. (laughs) No, I know. I mean, like my big takeaways from this process are um, A, network, right? You never know what, where your connection is going to be. And B, being vulnerable is hard, but it can be worth it. Those are two great, yeah, important takeaways. I love the networking one. I love it. And your your second point about being being vulnerable is really hard. I feel like that's why I tend to write funnier stuff because it is really hard to be vulnerable. And that's a place that is, it's hard to sit with that. And it's, but it is, but it is really important. Like this book is a really important book to have out in the world. And so you know, thank you for doing the hard work and sitting with it and, you know, doing the hard work on the, on the back end so that everybody else could benefit from it. Thank you. 
Um, and then where, where can people find you? Where can they look for Brave Like Mom and anything else that's coming out? Um, oh, well, t- if Twitter still exists when this comes out, there. I am there. It's a big <laughs> if. Um, yep, I'm on Twitter. I'm I'm on Instagram. I'm learning, you know, I don't always have images, right? I'm a word person. I know so I that's find- why Twitter is so great. Yeah, that's why all the writers are on Twitter. I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I do have I have a website. Just it's just monicaacker.com, which okay. is easy. Yeah. And then Brave Like Mom should be, you know, available wherever wherever books are sold. <laughs> <laughs> We can link all that in the show notes too. So we'll, we'll make sure that people can find you. Awesome. And maybe, and maybe Mastodon if that becomes a thing. Is that, yeah. Is that the thing? It's going to see so so dated in two months. I know, right? They're going to be like Mastodon. Remember when that was a thing for a minute? (laughs) Yeah. I'm usually like behind the curve. So by the time I'm on Mastodon, it'll be over. I was just starting to wear leggings, like, right. Like at the end of the pandemic, I was like, Ooh, leggings are awesome. And then people are like, yeah, leggings are out. <laughs> yeah, we're all leaving our house, our houses now. So leggings are a no go. Just kidding. I wear leggings all the time, everywhere. So <laughs> I'm still riding that train. All right. Well, thanks, Monica. <laughs> we yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. This was a great. This was a great conversation. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This has been awesome. And I, I should go like clean my bathroom now or something. Thanks for listening this week. Find all of our episodes and other associated links and information at linktree.com slash verse show. Or reach out to us on Twitter. Thanks again, and we'll see you next verse. Bye.